Chickadee Prince Books is the home of great fiction and nonfiction of all genres. Visit us at chickadeeprince.com. That's Chickadee the Bird, Prince the Son of a King. Declare your independence. Infamous outlaw, famous dime novel hero of the Wild West of the 1870s, locked up in the Wyoming Territorial Prison for a passion crime of which he insisted he was innocent. But as he soon would learn, Wat O'Hugh's fate was not under his own control. His destiny was intertwined with a mysterious city nestled in a valley in Montana called Sidonia. My home, Sidonia. And his destiny was also irrevocably linked with a strange, irresolute man whom he had never met. A strange, irresolute man who lived an idle life on the other side of the world. A man named Master Yu. Master Yu Da Young. And deadlings. One night, in the prison cell he shared with an alleged mule thief named Billy Golden, Watt could not sleep. Billy, where is Sidonia? What is Sidonia? You'll see. Soon enough. Some people say it's the common utopia. Some say it's heaven on earth. Maybe not. Got it. It's either heaven on earth or not. Have I told you about Master Yu yet, O'Hugh? Not yet, Billy. When do you intend to tell me about Master Yu, this mysterious Master Yu? Hmm. And what about deadlings? What the hell are deadlings? You may have heard of me. My name is Master Yu. In 1874, I had nothing to look forward to but a life of wine, women, and bad poetry. For me, this was enough. I did not know that I had a mission to perform for the Empress. I did not know that I would one day meet Wado Hu in the hell of the innocent dead. Life often provides a surprise. This is my story. I have my ghosts. In a way, I am a ghost myself. The Strange and Astounding Memoirs of Watto Hugh, a radio drama based on the novels by Stephen S. Drachman, starring Sal Rendino 
and produced by Danielle Wu. This week, Episode 6, Master Yu's Mission. Master Yu, a poet who was born in 1838, grew up in the countryside in the middle of China. I knew of him from Madame Tang, who would tell me his story one night in Utah under a sky of marauding dragons. But I would also know the story from Master Yu himself, who would one day bequeath me his journal. Master Yu was a terrible poet, but the governor of the realm favored him. Rumors were that the terrible poet was the governor's illegitimate son, which would explain his stipend in spite of his demonstrated lack of excellence. Maybe so. Maybe not. Perhaps the governor saw a potential that wasn't clearly apparent to anyone else. But whatever the reason for his stroke of luck, the terrible poet had enough coin to write his bad poetry and to drink, sometimes rice wine and sometimes mutai when he could afford it. So he didn't really bother anyone. Although he didn't advertise it, he was aware that his poetry was not very good. Perhaps that was why he didn't write very much of it. He was a handsome man and charming and unmarried and childless and terribly idle. His name was pronounced Yudayong in English, which, for what I hope are obvious reasons, I thought was a very unfortunate harbinger. Tang, however, told me that in Chinese this could be considered quite a wonderful, auspicious name summoning to one's mind both the elegance of a jade soldier and the simple wisdom of the countryside. Or a man who is second-rate, but who wears fancy clothes that do not fit him, and who perhaps is very effeminate and unintelligent, and who shrinks from a fight. The story of my mission for the Empress began on the banks of the river one sunny afternoon. Master Yu, Master Yu Young, Deputy Chin, a pleasant surprise to see you. How have you been spending your time, my friend? I am nearly finished with an epic poem that tells of the terrible hostilities of the Warring Kingdom's period of our distant past. May I read it? I am a great admirer of your work. Well, I should say, to be completely accurate, that I am thinking about beginning an epic poem, one of these days. But it is fully realized in my mind. While enjoying this pleasant stroll on the banks of the river, I have been reciting it to myself, in my imagination. Well then, no poem. Enough pleasantries. You are needed urgently at the palace. Deputy Chin shoved me into a rickety carriage, which conducted me along pothole-filled paths and byways. Until we reached a dock on the river, where we boarded a river boat with both sails and oars, a great old wooden boat with many stories to tell and which in turn transported me 100 miles to the Tower of the Fragrance of Buddha at the Summer Palace on Longevity Hill. 
palace ladies walked in the gardens, and overhead flew a red and black crowned hoopoe with delicately striped wings. I climbed eleven flights of stairs. Master Yu, thank you for coming to visit us on such short, urgent notice. When the Empress calls, your humble servant rushes to her side. Su Li, an advisor to the Empress Dowager herself, was a stooped man, with a few sadly dignified tufts of hair above a wisely wizened face. He wore a purple robe. The room was small, of bare, spare stone, with an open window that looked out over the courtyard, the forest, and the distant countryside. There were three chairs. Two of simple wood, one more elegant and cushioned, made of polished mahogany and adorned with emeralds. How have you been spending your time, my friend? I am nearly finished with an epic poem. May I read it? Even in its incomplete state, I am such an admirer of your work as you know. Well, to be. Entirely honest, I have been reciting it to myself, in my head. It is fully developed and complete, in my imagination. Well then, I will wait. A cup of tea? Imperial tea, the best I have ever tasted. Yes, please. The weather is lovely, and the orchards and peonies, which are just starting to bloom. You die young, according to a very wise seer. You are the reincarnation of Yang Shang, <sighs> the great poet of the court of Emperor Wang Mang. Not Wang Mang's great court poet, but his bastard son, who took his father's name upon the overthrow of the Xin Dynasty. And the murder of his father, and who was a somewhat lesser poet, and who remained loyal to the memory of his father and of the Emperor Wang Mang to the end of his life, and who longed for revenge. Understand, there is a mention of this lesser Yang Shang neither in the official histories nor in the unofficial histories, nor for that matter in any unofficial legends. But it has been prophesied, for what this is worth. More important, the Romans have seen some sort of notable future for you, and have devised for you a great mission, a very great mission. Never mind who the Romans are; that's none of your business. I would like to hear this from the lips of Empress Dowager. Of course, you would. Apparently, Master Yu gets what Master Yu wants. May I introduce the Empress Dowager? She was only five feet tall, with six-inch heels 
clownishly bright red rouge cheeks on a pasty whitened face. She had long fingernails, with which she was reputed to scratch the faces of those with whom she disagreed when angry. I was relieved to see that she seemed to be in a good mood today. She wore a long orange robe decorated with some kind of flower, some kind of beautiful flower for which there was no word, because it was a flower that thrived only in heaven. I flung myself to the ground, my face on the stone floor, prostrate. Against the Glare of Darkness by Mark Laporta is the gripping science fiction trilogy that critics have called an engrossing far future reality of galaxy spanning civilization that combines the best of space opera and science fiction. Read Probability Shadow, Entropy Refraction, and coming soon, Infinity Afterglow, the exciting series conclusion. Get your copy today at your local bookstore or wherever books are sold. The Empress beckoned to me, and I followed her out of the room, onto a terrace, up another flight of stairs into a sky garden that was hidden and sheltered from the world. We sat, each on a separate stone bench, separated by a suitable distance. Her Excellency's bench was slightly higher. In the depths of this building, we keep many things. There's the body of an adult dragon, for example, and a live baby dragon, captured in the Himalayas. Dragons are real, you know, Master Yu. I never doubted it. A hoopoe alighted on the branch of a dark brown chinaberry tree. Was this the same hoopoe? It had the same red and black head, and the same confident look on its beautiful face. It knew it was beautiful. I believed that it was the same hoopoe, and that it was here because it knew that this fierce little woman was the ruler of all China. Locked beneath this building, we keep also a tall man who was born on another planet. Sometimes he comes up here, to this shelter garden, to drink tea with Su Li. He has greenish skin, very light green skin, just as today's writers of fantastic fictions will have it. He had told us many, many things, nothing of value yet, but we continue to hope. <laughs> we have had him only 200 years. I can tell you all this because no one will believe you. Because everyone thinks that you are crazy, you die young. And so you will tell no one. I breathed in the fragrance of the garden. Let it all settle in my lungs and stay there for a little while. What poems a great poet could write about just the smells in this garden. I have lived an eccentric life of my own invention. I believed that it would make me a great poet. Has it? I lack something. I lack the poetic voice. I have the poetic soul. I have the poetic mind, but not the poetic voice. 
Well, perhaps you are a great man of history after all, if our seer is correct. Just not in the way you always planned it. I'm sorry, I don't understand. You are familiar, I am sure, with the history of their red eyebrows. Peasant rebellion. They overthrew Emperor Wang Mang almost two thousand years ago, and restored the Han Dynasty. That is the abbreviated version. The aristocracy never accepted Wang Mang, for reasons you and I understand well. But somehow the land itself seemed to join the gentry in its rebellion. The Yellow River changed course twice in six years. Earthquakes devastated China. Fire poured from the sky. A revolution burst from the cracked, burning earth, led by boy soldiers with red eyebrows. The Emperor Wang Mang had lost the mandate of heaven. Yu Daiyang. For many years, the secret of the red eyebrows has remained hidden. This terrible secret that can change the course of mighty rivers, and make the earth crack, and so much more terrible things. There are many secrets that we keep in this building, but the most important secret is the secret of the red eyebrows, which can never be allowed out into the world. Never, never. But it has been. We must get it back before it destroys everything. And what do I do? What is my mission? Aha, the mission is to succeed, in your mission. What is my mission? A very dangerous mission, but one with great glory. Should you succeed. And my mission is what? To go to America, and to see what the future has planned for you. I sat on the stone bench in the garden, and stared at the ruler of China. I remained silent. And to be brave. You will have to be brave. The hoopoe flew from the branch in the chinaberry tree. It flew very high, and it disappeared into a cloud. This program starred Sal Rendino as Wado Hugh and featured Emily Dalton, Jordan Gwizdowski, Morrison James, Arnold Kim. Annie Mack, Anthony Tether, Mabel Thomas, and Eric Yang. Theme song and incidental music composed by Derek K. Miller, with additional incidental music by Danielle Wu. The strange and astounding memoirs of Wado Hugh was produced by Danielle Wu.